Welcome to another episode of More Than That. In this particular podcast episode, we're going to be looking at the biblical definition of joy, what that looks like, and if it's even possible to have real happiness when circumstances grow difficult. I don't know about you, but I find it difficult at times to maintain good feelings, right? I find it difficult to maintain happiness, um, especially when everything seems to go wrong in the world. But it, it does seem like if you look through YouTube quickly or through Google, there, it does seem that there are a lot of different theories on how to have joy, on how to have happiness. Uh, there are different morning and evening routines. There are different stretches even to center your mind. Um, there's productivity tricks, expensive vacations. And I found a lot of them do really work. I enjoy being relaxed. I feel good about myself when I feel right if I've accomplished something meaningful. And all, all of that is really good until something tragic happens. You know, everything is at peace. There's some kind of equilibrium until I read about killings, until I read about storms and viruses. And it's even harder when it becomes more personal than that, when it, when loved one dies or when people attack me or make me feel worthless. Then, then joy isn't so easy. In fact, usually for me, it's pretty impossible to maintain it. But something I find interesting when I read the Bible is that the Bible assumes joy in the followers of Christ. And at the same time, we read about them going through persecution, suffering at the hands of the people over them. And yet they're still expected to have joy. It comes second on the list of the fruit of the spirits. It's the highlight of several books like Philippians. And Christians are supposed to have this seemingly joy that doesn't go away. So what I wanted to do today is just to look at a chapter in the Bible Take this a little bit more of an idea of what it what it's talking about when it talks about joy and happiness, what that looks like in everyday circumstances, uh, what that looks like in the trials that we go through. So I want us to consider Psalm 126. I encourage you to read it for yourself, but I also, I'm also going to read it here. It says, It seemed like a dream too good to be true. When God returned Zion's exiles, we laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortune. We were the talk of the nations. God was wonderful to us. And then in the center of the psalm, there's this one line that says, We are one happy people. And then it goes on. And now God do it again. Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives. So those who planted their crops in despair will shout with joy at the harvest. So those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with armloads of blessing. I love the center of that verse or of that chapter that says, We are one happy people. Uh, but more than that, what I, what I find really interesting is that on I, what takes place on either side of this line. And through these verses, we're going to see that present joy has both a past and a future. Uh, so what do, I, what do I mean by that? The first verses speak about what God has done. God brought them out of exile and slavery. God restored their name among the people of the earth. God did amazing things on their behalf. And this is actually what leads them to the statement, we are one happy people. So you see there that present joy looks back. It remembers what God has done. Being happy in the moment is looking back and seeing what God has done. It's filling our minds with the really, very real history of the work of God. And for each person, the details of that are going to look a little, a little bit different. There are some commonalities among the Christian community that we all look to. Many look to creation as an act of God that we praise him for. And Along with that, perhaps more commonly, people look to the cross, that Christ lived and he died for them. And they look to that and say, because of that, I can praise him for who he is now. 
Yet more than that, each one of us needs a personal experience in our own lives that we can look to and point to specific instances where we saw God work, really. And I want to spend a little bit more time on that, actually. I want to make something very clear. We actually won't be able to see God's working in our lives if we don't put ourselves in a place of really an, an uncomfortable vulnerability to be able to see God work. See, that's kind of the opposite of what we usually think of. When we try to think of how to have happiness, how to have joy, we think of distancing ourselves from things that hurt or by closing ourselves off from potential relationships that could cause pain. And we try to get rid of any kind of risk in life so that our happiness isn't threatened. That seems logical. That's the way to be happy, to avoid things that cause us unhappiness. But really, what do we need God in that kind of life? How can God work a miracle if we remove ourselves from anything that requires a miracle, or really even the presence of God? In order to have an experience to look back on, we need to take a step of faith and leave what is comfortable. I found that comfortability can actually kill real joy because it prevents any kind of meaningful experience. And we might have some sort of happiness in the moment. We might be experiencing happiness through the things that we do. But when actual pain comes, when actual hard times come, if we don't have that experience to look back on, we're going to find that we have no foundation. I've seen this to be very true in my own life. When I was uh, younger, I was a very shy kid. I was the kind of shy that didn't didn't want to go to the pool because I would have to go swimming with other kids, or I didn't want to go to camp because then I would have to um, put myself out there. I didn't want to put myself out there at all. I wanted to go to school. I wanted to come home, uh, maybe spend time with a few select friends. I was very, very shy. But I had the opportunity a couple times to go to India and, and Nepal to preach an evangelistic series. And that was a very, very uncomfortable thing for me to do. I hated the even the thought of it. But it was something that I tried. It was something that I did. And while I was there, I saw real miracles take place. I saw people's lives changed. Actual healings take place. And that's something I've always been able to look back on and think, I know God was working then. I know for sure God was at work. And I had, while I was there, I, I, I experienced joy like I never had before. I was so excited about the gospel. I was so excited about what God was doing. And now when I go through struggles, now when I go through circumstances where it feels like God isn't there, I'm able to look back at that and say God was working. I can praise him for what he did then. And those same, those same thoughts, those same experiences, that same happiness comes back because I know God worked. I can feel good about who he is. This is the process that the people of one are of the Psalm one twenty six are doing. So once again, Christian joy, it builds on the foundation of what God has done. But more than that, we see in Psalm one twenty six that joy has a future. It is literally borrowing from what is to come by trusting that God will work. So j present joy, it, it expects and it is certain that God will work again. So if we see how God worked in the past and God does not change, we can have the certainty that he will do it again. And that's where the joy comes from. We can literally be excited and waiting in expectation for how he will do again what he once did. And this is actually what's happening here. This, the author of the psalm saw the cycle repeating itself. They had been rescued from captivity, but now it says that their lives were once again becoming drought-stricken. They needed to see God again in their life. 
And I, interestingly, that's actually the real truth of Christian joy. It doesn't, it doesn't prevent suffering. It doesn't prevent tears. When the Bible talks about laughter, there's also an element of real tears. Even having witnessed the great miracle of God, it's still possible to feel pain. So the people of one, or the people of Psalm one twenty six, it says they were once again planting in tears or in despair. So it's it's very clear that they understood deeply what it was to suffer. They understood what it was to go through periods of life where there's really no end in sight, where everything seems dark. And even in that, they said we are one half. That's actually something that we can claim today. We could claim joy even in pain because we can fill ourselves with who God is, what he has done, what he will do. Joy doesn't come from feeling good about ourselves. Because if you think about it, if that were the case, I know I could never have any kind of sustainable happiness. Because I constantly feel like I failed. I constantly question the decisions I've made in my life. And the answer is not to just to buckle down. you got to believe in yourself more. you got to trust in yourself more. Because that's just digging myself in a further, further hole. Because eventually I will fail. Eventually I will let myself down. And then what happens then? Where does my joy come from then? My happiness has to be placed outside of myself. The who I am, my identity, my joy, everything about me has to be placed in something outside of myself that is unchanging. Joy. So then joy becomes a response to who he is. And in that sense, it's not really a feeling at all. It's really a reality. Because in any circumstance, I can praise God. Even when my feelings don't reflect it, I can praise God. I can say the words. I can lift my hands. I can, I can praise Him for what He has done. That, that hasn't changed at all. What He has done hasn't changed. I can have faith and praise Him for what He will do because I know He's worked in the past. So that joy becomes a reality for me. And joy can become a reality for you as well. The basic idea of all of this the basic idea of what we're saying here is to put ourselves, put yourself in a position to see God work. Take a risk in the service of God. Then build on that experience. Build on the faithfulness of God. Look forward to what he will do. And honestly, you will be amazed at the security and joy that becomes real in any circumstance. Once again, I just wanted to thank you for joining in today's episode. Um, if you have any questions, if you have any further thoughts that you'd like to discuss, um, if you want to pursue Bible studies, you can email me at morethanthat66 at gmail.com. Once again, that's morethanthat66 at gmail.com. I'll be very anxious to hear from you.